Welcome to the NTD Leadership Podcast. This is a resource from and for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. And so friends, welcome to the show. Christmas is coming. Outreaches are being done. Staff parties are being had. And special services are being planned, I'm sure. So praying everything goes well for for all of us in the kingdom here and our little corner of the kingdom we call the old NTD. And today I'm reunited, and it feels so good, with my former boss and the man whose desk I am now sitting behind, John V. No longer in the NTD Catron is here. Man, I just was wondering what that blank was going to be this time, Lynn. It's great to be back. When you said that, you know, reunited, it feels so good. I had the 70s disco music playing through my head. Right. and Yeah, I almost sang for you, but That's right. I didn't want to hurt your listener audiences. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're trying to restart a good thing. I get here, it. So I get it. Fix all those mistakes of stupid jokes. So, sure. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of number of podcasts we've done not being together, that's really not so many podcasts. But the fact is, we just restarted this thing, and you have been gone for quite a while now. How long yeah. have you been? Yeah, it's gone? been almost seven months up in Springfield, still trying to figure out, you know, what in the world are we doing? As I'm sure a lot of us that are even listening to this understand those transitions that you know that you're in God's will, yeah. and yet you still have those what in the world type feelings. Yeah, yeah that's where we're at. It's exciting, but it, boy, we miss Texas. So, but it's it's been good. Seven months, so yeah. hadn't seen snow yet. So that's that's encouraging. But you're going to. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna see you're gonna see more of it than I guess you've seen in, in some time. Yeah, the, the, of course. The day that we're recording this, too, they're expecting snowfall in Springfield while we're, I'm here. So I'm I'm you know thinking that's a blessing of God that we're not there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good. It's good to be back in Texas, though. Well, we've got a good, exciting interview with John today with a new thing he's spearheading in the national office. And so right before we get to that, I want to celebrate a member of the NTD family with what we're calling the old NTD family win of the week. And so the win this week was uh, Pastor Ed Wisehart in Van, Texas. Pastor Ed came to First Assembly there in Van and began to see some traction around 2017. One of the things that has spearheaded his strategy is trying to connect with the community in open doors in unique ways that perhaps not everyone would always think of. So one of the things that they've done there is they began to mobilize volunteers to cook breakfast for the local high school football team, the old Van Vandals. What a mascot, John. Yeah, Van Vandals. The Van Vandals. And so uh, this year, Pastor Ed has actually become a substitute bus driver specifically for the opportunity just to be around the people he's trying to reach. You know, John, we always read in the Gospels, Jesus walking through different areas and all these community interactions. How wise is becoming a substitute bus driver? Because otherwise, you could just sit in your office and prepare sermons, which is great for the congregation, but not going to put you in contact with people who aren't already there. Absolutely. I love it. Love hearing pastors engaging in the community. It's a, yeah, substitute teaching. He's, he's a hero. Like that's crazy. He's a hero. That's, that's no small task. No, it's not. No, it's (laughs) good. Way to go, Ed. Pastor Ed, we're happy for you and we're inspired by you. Thanks for being creative to connect with the community where the Lord has placed you and what a valid way to use your time. So friends, if you have a win you'd like us to celebrate with you, you want to cheer on someone else in the NTD family, you want to talk good about them behind their back, email me at podcast at northtexas.ag, and uh, I need stories to share, I want stories to share, and so I want to hear from you. So get those into me, and we'll share those with the rest of the NTD family. So John, here we go. Let's do it. What is life in the national office like? And tell us what your role is. Okay, so first of all, we go back to the purpose of this, only being heard by North Texas people, right? So nobody in Springfield will hear this. Can you guarantee me that, Lennon? Yes. 
<laughs> with sarcasm i'm teasing the, no honestly i would say this to to my i say this to my team up there a, a lot too it's still weird i just still have to think what in the world am i doing in this building there's it's positive but it's just weird i spent so many awesome years here in north texas that anytime you have a transition after a long tenure that's just tough and so we're walking through that i'm not shying away from those feelings i'm 100 percent um, understanding that we're in god's will in it but it it's still weird. The building has a great flavor. In fact, the other day we had this meeting where uh, General Superintendent Doug Clay had just kind of a heart to heart with everybody that traveled and and kind of went over and, and just talked through, hey, what's perception out in the field? And I got to be honest with you, this is not, you know, drink the Kool-Aid talk at all. This is one, if, if you know me, some of your listeners, you know me, Lennon, I'm not going to just, you know, shoot you a company line, but it's yeah. honestly a really cool day in the national office. I, you know, I, I, we joke a little bit that if you're cynical and, you know, poke fun and our whatever about a situation for too long, God has a sense of humor and he'll drop you right down in the middle of it and yes. say, okay, yes. sucker, <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of deal. But honestly, Doug Clay is the right leader for this season of the General Council, and the heart and the spirit of, hey, we've come through some good times and some bad times, but today's a new day. That overwhelming sense of positivity, it's yeah. just fun, mm-hmm. you know, so... Yeah, walked in the office the other day and walked upstairs with Doug. He had walked in about the same time and just just jabbing at him for Ohio State jokes and all that stuff. You know, he's a big Ohio yeah, State fan. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a fun culture and uh, no, it's exciting. It really is. It you know the the opportunity to have an impact all over the nation and, and the world. Quite honestly, is yeah, it's, it's I just have to pinch myself. So it's been really really good. And what a neat area to focus on out of the gate as you've gotten there. Uh, The main thing we're going to talk about today is this biblical literacy initiative that you've been tasked with sort of spearheading and developing. How was this emphasis born, and how did this become the thing that would make up the majority of your first few years, I'm assuming, in this new post? Right. Well, quite honestly, it it started when uh, last August, when Doug was voted in as the general superintendent, he'll tell the story better than I do, but God just began to lay uh, a vision and a a purpose on his heart that he says it this way, on my watch, on his watch, um, we would recalibrate in the assemblies of God to make sure that our fellowship, you know, it's 104 years old. And for this next, however many hundred plus years that we would go back to kind of the beginning of being founded on God's word and making sure that not just personally, but our churches are are solid. Uh, you, might, you don't have to you know pick up too many news apps or newspapers and hear stories of churches gone awry. And you can always go back to a church that goes through a troubling time. You, I promise, you can always go back to it somewhere they've deviated from the, the the truth of Scripture, either in that pastor's personal life or in their direction of the church. So, general superintendent is just simply saying, "Hey, you know what?" Let's let's have a big enough vision to to reverse that trend. And so that vision, you know, last August when he was actually a year ago, August now, when he was voted in, that started. And then there was a conversation at the beginning of this year, 2018, between himself and, and Rick DuBose, our our former district superintendent here right. in North Texas, mm-hmm. and basically asked Rick, he said, you know, this is kind of the heart and vision. Can you take this and run with it? And I'm skipping a bunch of steps, but for time's sure. sake, Rick yes. picks up the phone and I got a text one day that says, Hey, John, if you're feeling the nudge of the Lord or, you know, that kind of deal, give me a call. And the rest is history. And mm-hmm. 
here we are leading this this initiative. People ask me all the time, so what exactly do you do? And then we have that little chuckle back and forth because it's saying it, I hope was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> yeah. So I have two roles. One of them, because uh, of that initiative, I'm the senior director is what it's called of the Biblical Literacy Initiative. And what that involves is a lot of research at this point, trying to figure out, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? What are possible solutions? You know, what level of needed solution exists there and all that. So that's one piece of it. We'll talk more about that. The other part is the director of sales and marketing for My Healthy Church, which is the resource arm of the general council. Why that's significant is because ultimately when this biblical literacy initiative shifts from being just an initiative to actually you know, product development, and here's the solution to the problem, right. then that My Healthy Church arm becomes the delivery stream of that. So that's kind of how those two things are connected. That makes sense. So as you guys have begun to research the realities of biblical literacy in our fellowship, what are you finding? Yeah, that's a great question. And we still are in the middle of that discovery process. Two things that we've done is, it, it seems you know, kind of understated, but it's, it's obvious to go look at scripture. What what is the foundation for for focusing back on? And and I'm not going to go through this, uh, but I'll kind of redo some of the talking points that we've had a little bit in some of our conversations. And you know, the truth is, is is God's word puts an emphasis on His word, and He understands that you know, He wants us to understand how that emphasis needs to be there. For Samuel, the scripture talks about in those days the word of the Lord was rare, and it goes on to describe this picture how that that the culture then let God's word through the voice of the prophets kind of slide, and in that context you have things happen like you know when Ichabod was named, saying that the glory of the Lord has departed. All of those things took place in the context of the word of the Lord being rare, and when God. God's word loses its place in a society. He removes his glory and his favor from that. And we're seeing that in our society right now. We also understand the flip of that is true, that when the word of the Lord in Acts, you know, it says it spread throughout the whole region, you know, people are transformed. They're changed. The church is alive. It grows. It, it, it does incredible things. And, and when God's word is placed at the, the prominent spot where it needs to be, he actually, he, he rewards that, and, and that's a principle that is there, and that is so simple, and we understand it, and we get it, and anybody that has been called to preach this word would agree with that, and yet, when we see some of our churches and the ministry styles and methods that we've implemented, if we would really do a, a quick step back, we would realize that the word of the Lord has sometimes become an accessory piece to our ministries and not the, the firm foundation. So that's a, that's a huge thing. So that's one piece. There's a scriptural foundation. The second thing is that, you know, we've kind of used John Cotter's book at Leading Change. And one of the first things that Cotter says in his book, as far as any big change, is you have to develop this sense of urgency. Well, you don't want to manufacture that if it's not really there. You just, you need to take a finger on the pulse of our fellowship. I think there's 12 of them now that we've done district roundtables, 20 or so pastors in a room, uh, Pastor Rick and myself sit in a room, several other leaders from the national office, and just asking the questions, pastors. What are you seeing in your churches? Because what we don't want to do is go rush off to solve a problem that no one's really aware is a problem. Right. So that, yes. that, that would be crazy. So, so we're just kind of take, taking that temperature, so to speak. And what we have heard from pastors in those roundtables, we ask them simple, we ask them a lot of questions, but one of the questions is, how would you rate the level of urgency for this um, focus, for this initiative? You know, one to 10, one being, hey, don't worry about it. 10 being sound the alarm, you know, do something quick. 
quickly. And those ranges are, you know, all over the map, you know, so to speak, but the average of those is right at about 9.3. <laughs> so that's not like a hugely scientific study, but what we've heard is Yes, there's a, and these are from pastors that when we invite them to the biblical literacy quote, you know, roundtable type discussion, those are ones that are all in. Those are ones that you would think would skew your numbers a little bit the other way. And yet they're saying, you know, hey, sound the alarm. So at this point, there's just been a lot of research. We mentioned earlier, you and I were talking before we recorded this, that we're we're jumping into a partnership with the Barna Research Group that right now, in fact, we met with them last week. They're doing a study on the Assemblies of God as a whole to determine the level of biblical literacy slash illiteracy of our churches, of our pastors, and it'll kind of give us that baseline by which to, to go forward. What we hope we'll find in that is very measurable, um, some very clear markers as to, okay, the solution needs to hit this area or that area, and that research is underway currently. Right. And so this still being in progress, obviously, man, are you in the thick of things right now? That's incredible stuff. I'm sure you're reaching some early conclusions as you are beginning to figure out a bit of a path forward, even though I'm sure it's wet cement right now. Sure. What are you guys working on? What are you foreseeing as yeah, part of the solution. Absolutely. Let me let me tease the audience a little bit just with this. And I'm not going to get into the stats that we have already uncovered. Not I shouldn't even say it that way, that are out there as to the current reality in our society. Please go to like Barna website and dig up some of their stats are incredible. American Bible Society, the state of the Bible reports. If you go through and look at the last six, seven, eight years, the trend that we are seeing is the level of biblical knowledge and understanding is not increasing, it's decreasing. And so those reports Reports will will highlight that, and and so it, it further says to us, sound the alarm, it's time to do something. What we've also uncovered, in fact, last week we had this conversation with David Kinneman, who's the head of the Barna Research Group, and he was uh, vouching for the validity of the study. And there's a study called the it's called the Power of Four study, which you can dig about it, but uh, the Center for Bible Engagement has put this study out, and it, and it is one of those, if you look at the silver bullet type thing, this is transformational. It's kind of one of the things that I, I, I would hope the listeners here in this audience would kind of go do some digging on. And here's, here's what the study said. It said that it evaluated spiritual disciplines as they relate to lifestyle change and behavior change. So real transformation that is measurable, that are measurable things. They evaluated the top three of those spiritual disciplines were daily prayer, weekly church attendance, and reading or engaging with Scripture four times a week or more. That's why it's called the Power of Four. And so it wasn't just this, hey, we saw a Bible verse on a church reader board or, you know, whatever. But there was four different times a week that people engaged with Scripture. What they evaluated was those three disciplines and how they how they changed positive behaviors, increased those, and how they decreased negative behaviors. And what they found was that, you know, attending church every week, it's good. It has impact. And daily prayer, it's good. It has impact. Something happened that was exponentially different when a person engages with Scripture four times a week or more. Mm-hmm. So much so, and I'm going to tease it this way, like on on positive um, behaviors that were more likely to uh, occur in a person's life that 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 engaged with scripture four times a week versus those other two disciplines. 
416% more likely to give financially at church. They were 400% more likely to memorize scripture. They were 250% more likely to disciple others wow. than if they just attended a, a church service, which are good things. Right. Those are awesome. And then on the, the flip side of that, 62% less likely to have alcohol as a problem in their life if you engage with scripture four times a week or more versus even daily prayer. So think about you know daily prayer and and church attendance. Fifty nine percent less likely to have a pornography problem. Fifty nine percent less likely to have sex outside of marriage. All of these different things. And so here's the question. Here are the two takeaways for us in that. Number one, this is a solvable problem. Right. This it's it's not rocket science. You know, it's it's this is achievable. And number two, if I'm a church leader and I'm not making an assumption that any of our, our listeners would just, you know, buy this hook, line, and sinker and go shift everything. However, go dig in it and see what engagement with scripture on a personal level really the impact that it has. And if I'm a church leader and I hear that, and let's just assume that I come to the conclusion that I really believe that. Like that change, you know. That changes how I do church. Absolutely. That changes how I plant this church. That changes how I'm revitalizing a, a church that needs it. That changes how I'm in a in a, an existing church. No longer are the measurable are the uh, the metrics by which I look at my success to say, hey, how many Sunday morning attendance or whatever. Right. What are those things that we're measuring that says, how many times was that person in the pew engaging with God's word you know, during the week? And if we begin to measure those things, I promise you, this is a problem that we can solve. I'm saying all that, that kind of sets us up in the, this, this initiative to say, this is a solvable problem. So what are we going to do about it? Well, that's where we're digging. That's where we're trying to figure out the the preferred. You know, we we kind of know where we're trying to get. We know what those measurables are uh, a little bit. This Barna study is going to help us out a lot on that. But then, what's the path to get to that point? And what we're seeing is, quite honestly, it's a solvable problem. Mm-hmm. We have to have this understanding that you know, accessibility of scripture it, it doesn't equal literacy. Because my goodness, we have more accessibility now to God's word than Absolutely. ever before. I mean, pick up your phone, you've got 17 different versions, it's there. And yet there's, there's, there's still the problem. And so we as church leaders, what if we took 2019 and said, hey, this year, our church is going to get into the word. What if we threw out a, a challenge, you know, this four times a week or more, that... That's doable. That you know, the tools Absolutely. are already there. We're developing some other tools for the church leadership and pastors to take. Wouldn't it be awesome if you know, kids, youth, all the adults were going through God's Word, Genesis to Revelation, and seeing the big story of Scripture and seeing how wow, Jesus is all the way through there. The Holy Spirit is all the way in there. It's this is not a segmented story. This is God's story of His love towards mankind and. And we know that, but yet this is a time in the the history of the church, I believe, that God's calling us to recalibrate that. And it's just exciting to be in the middle of that. That's incredible. Have you heard of the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg? I have heard of it. I have not read it yet. So he talks in that book about, well, it's called The Power of Habit. So he talks about habits, but he uses a term called a keystone habit. And he says, these are particular things in our lives that if we get this right, there are so many other dominoes that just seem to fall where they need to right. by nature of that. And what you're describing scripture at just is that. Yes. So a scriptural example of that is Second Samuel 23. You know the, the old passage of Ben and I in the bean yep. field, the yep. guy who won't leave it. 
And I think in terms of that is he, that was so important to guard because some things give life to everything else. So it wasn't merely a bean field, and it's not merely just your Bible reading, but it's something that gives life apparently to every other aspect of life. I mean, those things that seem to be influenced just by time and God's Word yeah. that you listed, that's yeah. that's mind-blowing because... And it's also encouraging because that doesn't come down to how much money we have to Absolutely. pull off a new initiative. Yep. That is leadership and love of the Lord, and we all as ministers were born for this. Yeah, what's exciting too, even from a, a denominational or fellowship organizational level, is if you go back, that's what we were founded on. In fact, when our founding fathers, when, you know, you go back to all the different elements of this Pentecostal outpouring in our nation, mm-hmm. the culture, the environment with which those things took place were when people were gathered together studying God's Word. It was that foundational truth. They were seeking out the truth of Scripture that God said, you know what? I can bless that because the foundation is right. So much so, you look at even in the Assemblies of God, the 16 fundamental truths, the very first one, the inspired Word of God. And if everything is founded on that, it's all good. Yeah. Sometimes, especially in Pentecostal services and churches and, and our flavor you know, of the, of the Big C Church, we kind of get cart before horse a little bit when we go all the way to, to our Pentecostal distinctive. Yes, incredibly significant, important, and we are not shying away from that at all, but we only have that and know that because God's Word was the foundation there. We, we know of Pentecost because right. God's Word speaks about it. Right. So, it, yeah, it's an incredible thing to have that foundation. Well, John... This has been great. Any any last words, any final thoughts for a bunch of your friends who are listening here? You know what? Let me give you one thing. First of all, Lennon, thank you for just giving me this opportunity. It's been incredible. I know that uh, relaunching this podcast is an incredible resource to the to the ministers. I said this to you earlier when I listened to the, the first edition of the, the relaunch or whatever. I'm driving down the road and just kind of got a little tear in my eye. You know, it was one of those things. So it was good. I really, I'm a believer in what this is all about. So yeah, thanks for letting me have a part in that. Here's my final whatever. I didn't, we don't have time to dive into this, but kind of some homework if I could for pastors. Here's two things. One, August 1st of 2019, all of this stuff that we've been talking today is just talk. Mm-hmm. August 1 is the, the opening day of the main general council, and this is going to sound like a plug. It kind of is, but a lot of this stuff will be yeah, launched at that deal, and so I encourage everybody to please be there. We're going to have a lot more of these questions answered by that time. It's going to be a pretty significant moment. But then even beyond that, go dig through Luke chapter 24, the story of the road to Emmaus. We have been processing through that as it relates to the process that, um, that we believe God's leading us on as to how we solve this biblical illiteracy problem. And in that story, the road to Emmaus-type journey, Jesus himself lays out what we think is a is a God-given uh, opportunity for us to see the journey of, of how biblical literacy is achieved. And he does that with the two disciples that were, that were questioning what had just happened. And Jesus right. comes alongside of them, goes on a journey with them, unpacks the scripture to them right. and then their eyes are open and they're they're uh, you know the end of the story didn't our hearts burn within us when he was speaking to us we think that that story gives a real clear picture of the process that god's leading us on to solve this problem i'm just excited I, you know i could preach yeah, that or whatever absolutely. so anyway luke chapter 24 go read the road to emmaus and i'd be interested even to hear what god's saying to his church through the north texas leaders about that I'd love to hear that input so that's kind of where we've been been uh dwelling in the scripture on on how this process might look 
That's great. Well, friends, we love you. We're thinking about you, and we're praying for a fruitful week for you, whether you're serving in the local church or somewhere in the mission field. We're grateful for you and that you're part of the family here in the North Texas District. Listen, again, if you have an NTD family win, something from your church or the church of one of your friends somewhere out in the world, email me, podcast at northtexas.ag. We want to tell your stories. This is a podcast for North Texas missionaries and pastors by North Texas missionaries and pastors. So we love you. Go with God.